I've I've got two pints and a twelve, so we'll we'll see how this goes. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there we are. All right. I, I I love how we started with talking about how neither of us peed before the show. Yeah. So. <laughs> it is an important point. It it's something you do have to remember. It really is. Timing it's, is everything yeah. in in we're, the, the we're, shooting of a Talking Heads. We're drinking beers, and it's two hour long show. So it, you, you it, do the math. It right? sneaks up on you. I, I, my, my bladder has increased several sizes since we started doing this show. It's like the Grinch, I, just your bladder. Yeah, it's just, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Whoville, they say that yeah. El Polo Diablo's bladder grew three sizes that day. It did. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 198, your <laughs> once week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm Steve. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. We do read all Super Chats on the air so long as they won't demonetize my channel and you ask nicely. And we do drink alcohol on the show. And if you're drinking with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we will give some early show shout outs as we go along. And last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon or Float Plane. Links are both down in the video description. As a bonus, you can get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can talk directly with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and the ever-growing and excellent community that happens to hang out over there. Excellent community, definitely. Seriously, uh, like... As much as I like that people pay me to get access to the Discord, um, it is genuinely something I am very proud of, the community yeah. that, that we've built over there. Uh, the interaction is incredible. The The mm -hmm. engagement is, is awesome. Uh, yeah. There are well over 200 active people in there every single day. Uh, we have, I think close to 700 or 750 active users yes. uh so yeah it's it's a happening place uh, and, and it's and it's not like it's it, i don't want, i don't want to cuss or anything like but it's it's everybody behaves yeah. everybody behaves uh for the most part uh and yeah everybody tends to get along really good so it's, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a really enjoyable place to hang out. It, it's a cool place to be, uh, and kind of like this show, it's a little bit of everything goes. We talk yeah. everything from current tech news to gaming news. Uh, there's uh, sometimes some gaming events that happen, uh, organized by either moderators or other people in in the chats. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk 3D printing. We talk cars. We talk beer and food, and it's uh it's a cool place to go hang out. Yeah. So if you like the channel, if you like and you would like to support me in my quest to buy out all of the uh, Enterprise GPUs that are on eBay, uh, please think about joining the Patreon or Floatplane. Uh, those are literally how I pay my mortgage right now. Like yeah. like YouTube and everything else goes directly back into YouTube, but the Patreon goes towards like keeping the lights on. That, that's how I'm paying my bills. So, mm -hmm. uh, And because of you guys, I've never had to touch my savings uh since going full-time on youtube and that's kind of a rare thing for someone venturing out on their own as a small business owner uh and i have you guys to thank for that so thank you can i can i touch your savings uh ooh. <laughs> just touch it a little bit just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> we have some drinks uh we do 
Yeah, Brow Brothers Brewing, uh, Van Craigie's Peated Scotch Ale, Novella Hub. Mm. Peated Scotch Ale. Oh, so kind of smoky. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I don't like a. I don't like smoked beers too much. I like it slightly smoky. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, Rev is drinking a Riverbend Brewing. Uh, Life's a peach, and then you die. <laughs> oh, I've had that one yes. before. Actually, yeah, the I've the milkshake IPA. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think we might've had that one together. Maybe. I want to say, maybe we've had that. Yeah. I want to say you and I, I opened think, that one. I don't think Riverbend is around anymore. No, I think they might've closed. I think they might have. Yeah. Oh, let's see who else is, is drinking. Uh, Michael uh, Stevens has a, uh, Francis Cop uh, Coppola. 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 Francis, Francis, like Francis for Coppola. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, the director. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Claret 2018 Black Label, 13.5%. That's a wine, yeah. Yeah. It's a Coppola wine. Skull has a fantastically named beer in the, uh, Stone Brewing Imperial Starfalker. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> looks like a Star Trek themed or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and we got Anchorage Brewing Beneath the Water IPA, which ooh. Anchorage, usually really good. Oh, that's John uh, Jay over there. Yeah. Yeah, John Jay. Always got some good stuff. 5050 Brewing Eclipse Elijah Craig 14 from a GI Pilot. Ooh, I've, yes. I've I been wanting to get my hands on one of those. Uh, he he posted pictures of them earlier yeah. and they looked delicious. Ugh. They looked really good actually. I'm a little I was a little jealous to be honest. World Peas is having some uh, high quality H2O. Yeah. All right. Uh Steve, what yeah. are you uh, cracking open tonight? I actually have something. Um, the first one I, I want to, uh, I, I got this when I was in Colorado. It's called Mellow Yellow. I had to drive about 35 minutes outside of Boulder to a small mountain town called Nederland. Uh, and this is a brewery out there that's one of the highest or up and coming highest rated breweries in Colorado. And I got this jammy sour. Now I have to read these ingredients to you and this might take a while. <laughs> uh, so here it goes. So this is a uh, fruited gose uh, brewed with a milk sugar, sea salt, gewürztraminer grape must, pineapple, kiwi, tangerine, mango, guava, passion fruit. That's, those are all the things that go into there. Is is there still beer in it? Yeah, well, it's it's just <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, there's more. There's more. Designed to create a unique sensory experience, we condense this paste, the the gewürztraminer paste, on Madagascar vanilla beans, grape jelly, and the exciting new grape powder concentrate known as Phantom. So, this is this is <laughs> this is this beer. <laughs> So it's it's, um, it's highly highly unique. Uh, I also have <laughs> the exact opposite of being very unique, and just a standard red ale. Okay. From yes. from uh, it's called Van Run from Ascendant Beer Company. And if we still have time, I have a new hazy from Crux called uh, the Kaya Kaha. Oh, I've, I yeah I, I saw that can the other day. You saw that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fairly new. I haven't yep. tried it yet, so. We'll yep, I picked up the uh, the Freem Big IPA instead. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it was between those two, and I went, I, I got to go with the Freem. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I am going a little bit outside the norm. Uh, from Ghostfish Brewing, 
And oh, yeah. uh, some people may know that name, but may not yeah. know why. Uh, Ghostfish mm-hmm. Brewing up in Seattle is a 100% gluten-free facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I am having their grapefruit IPA. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah. Which is, I knew it was here. It's something like a six and a half, five and a half. Five and a half percent. Yeah. For gluten-free, yeah. Yep. Uh, this is one of my recent favorite breweries that I've discovered. Uh, just like fan found a couple random cans on the shelf, mm-hmm. and they have been just phenomenal. Uh, uh, yeah. This is from Forland Beer. This is the Landform Pills. Uh, this is a craft Pilsner, mm-hmm. and it was worth the money. Really? Yeah. Now, it, usually I like Pilsners, mm-hmm. but I don't. I've never had any that was just like, oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, this is outstanding. It's 4.9%. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like $4 a can. It is worth all of that. And Really? Uh, John and I have had this conversation a couple times on the show. Like, usually if you're in a beer shop and you'll go, oh, there's a Pilsner, you know, you'll pick it up like, and eh, you go, yeah, 4.9%. Eh, and then on your other hand, for the same price, you have a 10.2% double IPA and you're going, yeah. You're like, mm, yeah. yeah, that's I'm gonna go for the IPA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is a Pilsner that is good, okay. and I mean really good. Yeah. Um, and then again, if we have time for it, I have a Ruby Red Kolsch. Oh, nice. So, right. kind of going through the swing of the the light ales. Yeah. Well, I think I'm gonna start with the Ghostfish Grapefruit. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my extra special crazy. Mellow yellow from oh I didn't say who it was from. Yeah, you, g- you gave from, us all the ingredients. Yes. Yeah. It's from Knotted Root Brewing. Okay. So Knotted Root Brewing in Nederland, Colorado. Ooh. Oh, that just smells like yeah, uh, fruit. <laughs> yeah, Steve, to put it this way, uh Skull posted this. The mm-hmm. uh Forland beer landform pills scores a three point nine one on untapped. For Oh wow! Pilsner for a Pilsner. scores almost a four zero. Wow! Right, that's crazy. And and I've talked about my my rating system on on Untapped, where it's like, yeah, Dragon's Milk is great, but Dragon's Milk gets a three point seven five because there are yeah. better versions of Dragon's Milk, right. so I exactly. can't give it a yeah. four point five. Yeah. Um, this is a four point zero. This is a four point zero. Really for yeah. a Pilsner? I don't think I've ever rated a Pilsner four point. I I never have. <laughs> Yeah, That's because I mean, sure. I think they're fine, but I've never like, whoa, that just blew me away. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So, I'll have to go find that one. And there's my gluten-free beer. Uh, oh, wow. That's not bad. You this is my wouldn't super... know it by, yeah, that's that's obviously just a pie, Steve. Yes, it's a it pie is. in glass form. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm just going to give it a shot before I drip it everywhere. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, what do we think? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's delicious. It is really good. But it's, it's um, I taste the grape. Uh-huh. Very tropical, but it's got this, like, this vanilla sweet finish at the end. It's really crazy. Mm. No, it's very good. And it's, it's it kind of gives you those tropical flavors up front. Yeah. But then you kind of taste that whiny misdemeanor grape, and then it is this lingering sweet vanilla flavor afterwards. Well, they they did 
mentioned the vanilla beans very early on and said basically they they paste over it and then add all the jam on top of it. Yeah. Um, yep. That's impressive that that vanilla is like sticking. It, it's, it's sticking it's, around. It's not prominent. It's it's at the end. It's yeah. very much at the end. That but it's just, delicious. It sounds, it is really it sounds good. good. Yeah. It is really good. <laughs> it's like nothing I've ever tasted before. I mean, it's it's kind of like something I've tasted before, like with tropical notes to it. Mm-hmm. But it's got this weird, like, smooth, grapey vanilla finish that I've never tasted in a beer before. Mm-hmm. Is Jeff drinking a gluten-free beer? You're darn right I am. And you know what? It's rather pleasant. There's nothing wrong. I've had several gluten-free beers that yeah. were good. Yeah. They're actually great. Uh, I've had some gluten-free beers that were not great. That are off. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's the same thing with every beer. Yeah. So. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Ghostfish uh, Brewing, I will say, I've I've had some hits and I've had some misses from them. And, and yeah. it's usually one or the other. There's no beer that I've tried from them that it's like, eh, it's okay. Um, this one, Grapefruit IPA. I could actually use just a little bit more grapefruit, but hmm. as far as just like a pale ale, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it's it's very earthy, very hoppy, very of that that vegetal, little bit bitter. Like like you ever like take a bite of crabgrass or something like that? Like that that I, I can't say that I can't say eaten the crabgrass. Uh, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of like a flavor or a taste that mirrors the vegetation. I've had, like, Okay, I've had like um, it's you like know, those health drinks. The health drinks that they they, they like do the. Uh, it's like chewing on some some kind of bitter spinach. Hmm. Does not sound appealing. It doesn't sound appealing, but uh-huh. it's. I mean, let's let's be fair. This is not the best IP I've ever had. It's okay. pretty good though. Okay. So fair enough. I think Skull, Skull says it took me a while to find the knotted root, admittedly, but got it before Steve mentioned it. So he's had it before, I guess. Yeah. That's kind of interesting because I thought it was kind of out out of the way, out in the middle of nowhere type of thing. Yeah. But the guy, because I, I found it because I went to this um, nano brewery in uh, Boulder because uh, it was the only place open at the time because, you know, we were day drinking. It was on vacation, right? Yeah. And uh, so I was asking the guy what he thought was the best brewery in the area where he would go to. And this is the place that he mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, it's like 35 minutes outside of Boulder. You know, I don't know if I want to do that. Cause there's so many places within Boulder. I, I right. want to try because I could just walk a couple miles away and there's another brewery right mm-hmm. there. So we did end up going there and I was happy we did because I was really impressed with what they had. They had a lot of uh, mostly jammy sours and hazy beers, uh, but it was all very good. So if you guys find yourself out in the Boulder, Colorado area, I highly recommend going to Knotted Root. Let's see from Lady Blaba. uh, What the hell is wrong with you Americans? Uh, You're going to have to narrow that down a little bit. There's a lot of stuff wrong. (laughs) There's a lot wrong with us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, And uh, Rev says that's a really broad question. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, I think she was probably referring to my uh description of the beer and going yeah i kind of enjoy like chewing on crabgrass like, hey there's people who like wheatgrass like the whole because i remember right. jamba juice used to offer like shots of wheatgrass and stuff mm-hmm. like that. i don't know if they still do but yeah. probably yeah uh 
Anyway, let's go ahead and get into the news. Yeah. Starting with uh, this story broke uh, sometime on Friday yeah. uh, by a Twitter user named uh, John Hat or John 4T, which I kind of uh, or J-O-N-H-4-T got got the hacker speak uh, right. going on for the, the Twitter handle, which yeah. which I respect. Uh Old school hack, uh, hacker name. Right, old, old school leet speak yep. Uh, yep. for those who knew it before it was leet speak. Uh, anyway, uh, he posted a issue which he had trying to elevate with Razor for quite some time with their installer package, uh, yes. which pretty much qualifies as a critical vulnerability. Uh, I would say so, yeah. And that is the ability to elevate user privileges by use of the installer. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know what that means, that means if I'm on a computer and I have uh, limited access to the computer, I can't install software, I can't change settings, I, I can't do that, I, I am a limited user versus an administrative mm -hmm. user or even worse, a root user or system user. Um, well... Uh, as John Hat points out, the Razer mouse installer uh, runs by opening up Windows Update and executes Razer installer as system, which is essentially right. root. Uh, you can then use the Razer installer to open up an Explorer window mm -hmm. and then open PowerShell and... As an administrator. No, as system. System administrator, yes. Right. System uh, yeah. So this is a root access vulnerability in the Razer installer because mm -hmm. of how it goes from basic installer to utilizing the Windows Update service to run the installer, which then calls itself using the yep. system user, um, which you then have access to. You can then elevate yourself to system by opening an Explorer window using that window and then opening PowerShell and change whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he says he tried contacting Razor multiple times, but no answers. So here's a free zero-day vulnerability. Yep. Here's how you execute it. Uh, it's it's super easy, too. I mean, you can go there and, and watch the video. Mm -hmm. It's not too difficult. They literally have a link that you click on that opens up Windows Explorer. Right. And then from Windows Explorer, you can launch PowerShell. Yep. <laughs> and um, it gives you the elevated privileges. Yeah. Uh, so... Some people down in the Twitterverse were commenting that, yeah, I used to carry a Razer mouse around just to exploit that. So this is an exploit that's been known kind of like in the community for quite some time as a way to get around uh, user credential lockouts. So if you have local access to a machine, physical access to a machine, you can root it. Uh, that, that was always, I was. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of, there was an old, I think it was Windows 98 exploit that was locked when you had a locked 98 machine if you wanted to get to the desktop. Uh -huh. uh, and you didn't know the password if it was password protected. Yeah. I believe you can get to the Windows help file. The Windows help file will launch. And then from there, you can go to print. You can say, I want to print the help file. And from the print file, you can do an explore, which would launch Windows Explorer which would then allow you to just get to the desktop. Which is essentially <laughs> the same kind of thing where yeah, you're working same, through same different... Yeah, working yeah. Through, you're working through the Windows systems itself to yeah. bypass their own security. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is the sticky keys hack. You ever heard of oh, sticky yes, keys hack? Sticky, yes, when yeah. you keep tapping, tapping it and, and it brings up the you sticky keys. You can launch keys whatever you want. Like, yeah. 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 
For those who don't know the sticky keys hack, uh, this has long been used by system professionals. I've used this this exploit for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, you have a user who goes, I forgot what my password is on my local machine. Uh, now, first and foremost, you can get just a brute force uh, password decryptor, which will pull yeah. the user file down and then it will dehash it for you. And it takes anywhere from a couple hours to maybe 12. Uh, and you can grab all the user passwords from Windows. It's not that difficult. Right. Uh, the easier way is if you have physical access to, mach- to the machine, uh, you boot it up into another operating system. So either a live Linux USB drive or yep. Windows pre-executable, or I used to just uh, do a Pixie boot to my Windows deployment server and then open up a command window inside of that. And that gives me local command access. Uh, you then find the sticky keys executable and you rename it to something else. And then you make a copy of cmd.exe inside Windows System 32. And you rename that to the sticky keys executable. You then reboot the machine and sticky keys as a service will launch if you press the the left shift key five times. It's an accessibility thing for people who may not be able to have mouse access or have limitations on being able to type in passwords on a a keyboard. Uh, That will open sticky keys and if sticky keys the executable has been replaced with commands.exe then it simply opens a system level command prompt in which you can reset any password on the machine you want and log right in yep (laughs) it's one of my favorites yeah that's a good one i i like that one too yeah windows 95 98 just hit escape yep Yep, yeah, the good old accessibility there's, exploit. Yeah, there's a bunch of accessibility exploits inside was, Windows. There was even one, what was it? It was a pretty embarrassing one too. I think it was around, it was around Windows 98, 95. A mm-hmm. lot of the software that Microsoft put out, like you know, PowerPoint, some of their office stuff, when you asked for, when they asked for a legitimate key, you can literally just fill the whole thing up with ones. Just put one, 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 one. Uh, that one, was Windows 95. Uh, you, yes. You yeah. could do all zeros, all ones, and then some other breakdown of some other digits. Um, yeah. And it was because those are all valid checksums at the end. Yes. And so yeah. if you enter a product key, instead of putting the algorithm for the product key in there, they simply had an equation that it would solve. And and if the checksum yeah, the digit checksum. at the end, then it yep. assumes it's a valid key. Right. Um, and so there's actually a great YouTube video which breaks down why was 1111111 a valid Windows 95 license key. Yeah, because of the checksum algorithm, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jeff Geerling is in the chat. Cheers, hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. All right. Uh, but the good news out of all this is after this exploit kind of blew up on Twitter is Razor then responded. It took them until Tuesday to respond, but they did yeah. respond on Tuesday and said, uh, we acknowledge this zero day flaw and uh, we will be patching this in the very near future. Um, I will say I... I didn't know that this exploit existed until this last Friday, and and I'm sure a lot of other people didn't as well. But I have a couple Razer mice, and it drives me nuts that when I plug a Razer mouse into a new PC, it utilizes Windows Update to download the Razer software because I have the profile stored on the mouse. I don't need to change the profiles on every machine that I log into. Um, I'm sure it's a nice feature for some consumers, but... I know how to go to Razer's website and download the the Razer customized Latest software update. if yep. I need it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, six one half a dozen another, but I always prefer to download my own updated software. I, I I tend to do that too. Yeah, like when I get 
I think they even stopped. They even stopped like sending software with hardware now, don't they? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Most most uh, most hardware purchases that you make, they simply say go download the drivers on the website right, or just plug it in because they're part of Windows Update now. Right. Yeah. Because nobody nobody uses CD DVD players anymore, so they don't ship that with it anymore. Hey, Steve, uh, I don't mean to call you out like this, but uh, Lady Blaba also says, I was not born in 95, 98. Uh, oh, uh, I always love to read and listen to how people uh, people operated old operating systems. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, but you remember it too, so... Oh, I do. With me. You're I in do. there with me, buddy. Uh, I was not a professional administrator in a, in a secret well, back room okay. for... <laughs> I, I was I was I still was low, a BBS I was, administrator though. I, I was too. Yep. I, well, I wasn't a BBS administrator, but I did work for a BBS yep. for a while. Yeah, you worked for a BBS. You got a paycheck from them. I was a BBS mod. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that is really dating ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, it I, is. I'm, I'm expecting to somebody to see what's a BBS. Right. <laughs> uh, think Reddit, but like at the dawn of the internet. And and in some cases even predating it, so yeah. Uh, Reddit is a bulletin board system. It's a bulletin board style uh, yeah. website, and it's all user generated content. That is what a although, BBS is. Although although to be fair, some BBSs did have you know software downloads and stuff that you can you can they had a download section. What I wasn't aware of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> I know you were. I was the one that curated a bunch of that software too, so I know. <laughs> LOL, old operating systems from yeah. Jeff. It's like, oh, ow. Yeah, I know. My heart, don't stop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, moving right along, this is going to be a bit of a story. Yeah. Uh, this story. Uh, well, let's just, let's just start with this piece. Uh, we've been, over the last year to year and a half, we've covered a number of stories for rare retro games. Like, some mm-hmm. of the games which sold the most copies of games in human history. Like the original Legend of Zelda and the original Super Mario Brothers, which came with every single Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, I'm waiting for Wii Sports to sell for $150,000, if I'm being honest with myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but we've been talking about these stories, and we've talked about them here on the show a number of times, about um, you know a copy of Mario Brothers just sold for $100,000. Yep. And then uh, there was a, an, a sealed Nintendo 64, or Mario 64, sold for $400,000. And... Uh, and whatnot, and we were all kind of scratching our heads because, as of 2017, the most expensive video game ever was a copy of Mario Brothers, right. which was a first-generation run in a retail box that was sealed. Uh, and the reason that's weird is remember the Nintendo came packaged with Mario Brothers, so there right. weren't a lot of mar- copies of Mario Brothers on retail shelves. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that one was found, it's like, okay, I kind of buy that this one right. might be worth a lot more than some others. Right. Because this one is a rare one. Now, you're still split. <coughs> excuse me. You're still splitting hairs on the rareness of it because, again, it's one of the best-selling games in the history of gaming. Right. Uh, 
and you just happen to have a copy that was sold through another means. It's not really yeah. special. And it's, it's not like they were numbered or anything like that. It's not like it was number one or uh, low print or something right. like that. So I mean, never, it was a, like that. It was a first edition run, but it yeah. wasn't, you know, serial number 0001. It was serial right, number exactly. 12784493. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, this story right here uh, comes to us from TMZ and was covered by a couple other outlets, but they're the ones who caught it first, so we'll give them the credit. Uh, that a rare Nintendo game, they don't put rare in quotes, but I certainly will. Legend would, yeah. of Zelda, rare Nintendo game, sells at auction for $411,000 through shopgoodwill.com. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about this one. Yes. Uh Let's talk about this one, and then let's talk about the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, starting with, who in God's name would pay $411,000 for a sealed copy of Zelda? That is insane. And does Goodwill do auctions? They I do. They, they have an online auction okay. house. And it's actually a I great place to find like vintage electronics and things like that at dirt cheap prices. Uh, because That's sometimes, the, uh, oftentimes, their descriptions are not entirely accurate. And so you have to you have to know your products that you're shopping for inside right. and out. You have to know the physical characteristics to look for. Um, mm -hmm. They often also sell in bulk. They'll they'll sell like collection of twelve games or right. or you know uh, like three cameras that have nothing to do with each other. Like right. like you'll find lens bundles with like two Canon, one one Nikon, a Minolta, and a and a, and a Kiyosera JC Penny yeah. knockoff or something like that. Oh, cool. You'll find Kodiak crap like that Kodiak all the time. Or something like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you kind of dig through there and you know what you're looking for and you investigate the pictures, you can find some pretty good stuff on that website. It's a place yeah. that I've found some vintage things from time to time. Um, but why did this copy of Zelda sell for four hundred and eleven thousand yeah. dollars? Well. Uh, as we know, retro games have been increasing in popularity with uh, game collectors as of late. Mm. And uh, this one came up in a sealed retail box and uh, apparently is worth $411,278. Uh, here's where the it, story it, takes a turn. Yeah. Here's where it takes a turn. Uh, if none of you are familiar with the YouTuber Carl Jobst. He's he's one of my favorite YouTubers. You absolute legend. Carl uh, Jobst is a YouTuber who covers a lot of speedrunning communities, gaming history, uh, things like that. He was a former GoldenEye speedrunner um, and uh, just an absolute joy to listen to because of his, um, think like modern vintage gamer, like his level of deep dives. Carl yeah. Jobs does a lot of the same type of things, but mm -hmm. more aimed usually towards the speedrunning community. Um, and it is fantastic, informative information all the time. Uh, anyway, Carl Jobs posted on Monday this week, uh, scam alert, exposing fraud and deception in the retro video game market. Uh, it is almost an hour-long video, yep. and I recommend watching this video because the level at which we're going to cover the story here is not even close to the level at which he covered the story, and I want to give him full credit for kind of bringing this all up. Uh, so rather than listening to me ramble on for the next 10 minutes, do yourself a favor, bookmark this video, yep. go go set aside an hour and go watch it because it is, it's enthralling. Yeah. 
I, I, I watched it myself because I was reviewing the mm-hmm. the news and usually it's an article we post, right? And I just like, oh, I'll read it. You know, it usually takes me like, you know, a couple minutes to read an article. Right. Then I see this video and like, oh, God, it's an hour long. 52 but, minutes, right. Yeah, it's it's like, oh my gosh. And so I start watching it. It's like, wow, this is really informative. This is really good. The guy has some real in-depth knowledge about what's going on. Yes. And it's, it's and, and a child of the 80s, he, he brings some stuff up from the past. Yeah. Yep. I remember some of this stuff. I remember some of the stuff he mentions. He briefly mentions Beanie Babies. I think that's probably mm-hmm. a lot of things that's in a lot of people's minds as a recent collector's item that kind of just raised in value very quickly and then just crashed. Yep. Although I don't think he doesn't mention that market as being a manipulated market, but he's definitely saying that the collector video game market is being manipulated, right. um, heavily being manipulated. It's essentially what is going on is there are a couple of individuals and a couple of companies with vested interest in making money who are, in some regards, artificially inflating the price of retro games right now. Uh, I say in some regards. They are inflating the price of retro games right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, This story starts kind of with the the cartridge that we covered just a couple of years ago, which was the Nintendo uh, Mario Brothers cartridge that sold for $100,000. Um, at the time, no one really kind of raised any eyebrows at it. It was just like, a, okay, I guess it's a it's a rare game cartridge, but someone's crazy, like right. But but since and, then, and they've been like skyrocketing. We've we've seen games sell for like one point five million in the yeah. last year now. So that's head scratching. That's very head scratching. Right. So what in the world is going on? Well, Carl did a fair bit of digging. Um, the Super Mario Brothers cartridge was sold through an auction house called Heritage Auctions, which is actually a very well-known and prestigious auction house. Uh, they they often carry a lot of collectible goods, and I'm not just talking like electronics or retro games. They they do like diamonds and and historical artifacts, and basically, if it's worth money, it can go through Heritage, yeah. and usually Heritage carries the cream of the crop. They're they're one of the top auction houses in the world. Um, so the story gets a little weird because, uh, there are three individuals involved with this artificial inflation of retro game prices. One of them is the president of Heritage Auctions. One of them is the CEO of a company called Wada Games, which is a, uh, game grading, uh, company. So the, the quality of, of, of the game. Correct. Right? Grading the, the, the quality, how, the um, not like not like the game itself, but like the packaging and right. making sure it's in mint condition and is it prepackaged and stuff like that. Right. The, like think about the quality of a comic book. Uh right. Yeah. Same comic thing. book grading yeah. is a great one. Yeah. Uh uh trading cards, you know, yeah. Pokemon, Magic exactly. Gathering, yeah. like sports that. cards, etc. Um so they're a grading house. They they look at products and objectively give them a score based on the rarity, the the overall condition, the things like that. Um, and they're given a, a number score out of ten. And so you know, the higher to ten you are, the the better you are. And they go to the tenth of a decimal. And so there are cartridges that are rated at nine point eight and nine point six and things like that. Um, here's the interesting thing that Heritage Auctions will be selling games exclusively rated by WADA Games. Well, why would an auction house do that? And 
not only that, but where's the historical justification for games being worth hundreds of thousands of dollars? Because up until 2017, the most expensive mm -hmm. game ever sold was $30,000. Well, in 2019, a copy of Mario Brothers sold for $100,000. Uh, didn't raise any eyebrows, but it probably should have because it was bought by three separate parties. One of them was the president of Heritage Auctions, who purchased it from Heritage Auctions. The other was the CEO of WADA Games. And the other, I am drawing a blank on what organization he belongs to, but he also has a vested interest in the inflation of the games market. Yeah. Um, so it was and, all just a PR stuff. Oh, no, basically. no. The, the third individual was a games collector who sold the, yeah. who sold the game to buy it back. Buy back, yes. Yeah. So no money changed hands here. Is every, is everyone yeah. following this? Yeah. Like this game did not sell for a hundred thousand dollars. This was three people, one of which already owned the game. The second of which graded the game and said, yeah, it's a 9.8. And the third of which put it up for auction at his auction house. And then the three bought it together. Yeah. No money changed hands. Yeah. Uh, so why would they do that? Why would anyone put something up for auction and buy it themselves for $100,000 just to say a game is now worth $100,000. Well, they had been doing some tours in the last in, in the last 18 months or so, uh, media tours, as it were, mm -hmm. uh, talking to any uh, reputable news uh, outlet that would talk to them and trying to pump up the numbers and the sales of these games, saying things like it's only, a, like retro game prices have been on the rise for years. And uh, it's only a matter of time before one breaks a million dollars. And people better jump on this right now because you know you might be sitting on gold in your attic. Does all this sound familiar? Uh, mm -hmm. This is what we call building speculation or building a speculative market. Uh, it's where a couple of individuals pump up the prices artificially and create artificial high demand for items that were not in high demand before. Right. To then sell off a bunch of them at very high prices before the market then collapses because the market was artificially high. Yep. This has happened with Beanie Babies. This has happened with Furbies. This has happened with, uh, gosh, there was something a while back that, that I mean, hell, well, this happens well, with well, Bitcoin. The, 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 look at look guy, at Elon Musk, the, and every time he mentions Doge, and it goes up and down. Yeah, that's artificial yeah. inflation. The the prime example that they gave, in fact, the the guy who uh, owns the auction house was involved with a similar scam back in the '80s, which is the one I was trying to mention that I remember mm -hmm. was the collector coin. Yeah, the, the collector coin. They did the exact same thing where they pumped up the prices of things to make uh, of a common item that mm -hmm. people would be like, oh, well, I have this. Then they start selling it and stuff like that, and, and it and it will. They make a lot of money because the auction house makes a lot of money because they take a twenty percent cut. Yeah. Right? But then, so many people start pumping this thing in, the value starts going down, 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 and it crashes. Mm -hmm. And then the people that were hoarding it think they're just like, "Oh, we got to hurry up and dump this stuff." Right. And that just blows out the market. Yeah. And uh, so, but they're but they they they've made they've already made. Millions of dollars. They, yeah, they've already made that. millions. I mean, the, I mean, look at one game cartridge sold for one point five million, and it sold through. All of these games have sold through Heritage Auctions, with the exception yeah. of the one that just sold through Goodwill, because someone probably bought it to put it up on Heritage Auctions. Exactly. Um, yeah. But in Carl's YouTube video, he doesn't just like point like these three people like 
pumped up the market. These three people uh, bought and sold dozens of games because right. uh, as as a business and as a business with uh, public investment, you are required to report any assets you may have to the SEC. So you have to do that in, a, in an asset filing. Um, well, turns out like a third of the video games that were sold at Heritage Auctions are also on their SEC asset listing currently because they purchased them as assets. Right. Uh, and, uh, and you can actually trace the numbers back to one of these three individuals who were doing the buying and selling. Yeah, they, they, they've been buying up a whole bunch of them. They're trying to create rarity to, to pump, to, to justify the pumped up values mm -hmm. of these games that everybody owned. Everybody had them. Yep. Uh, Zachary says, Dutch tulips, anyone? Actually, yes. that is the leading example that Carl starts with. Yeah, uh, in in that, the yeah. first five minutes or so, he brings up the Dutch tulip inflation. Yeah. Um, and that, that hits it on the head. Um, NFTs, like why are people paying for screen grabs? Uh, on on videos and uh, and tweets that yeah. they literally can't own. It's because a couple people pumped them up and they just wanted to make a quick buck. Um, and the weird thing is, games collectors are a niche bit of people. Not yeah. a lot of people are games collectors. Yeah, games collectors have been up in arms, just confused about why are prices all of a sudden spiking, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden Carl put two and two together. And, and like I said, I want to give Carl all the credit in the world because not only is he a wonderful YouTube channel that you should watch for anything speedrunning related that you've ever wanted to know uh, because he is in, an incredible source on that. But the amount of research that went into this video and and the, the details and the yeah. connecting of the dots, it's not it's not the, the crazy dude, you know, pointing at yeah. the string on the wall. There's actually like smoke here. Yeah, uh, it's it's well quality. It's mm -hmm. almost like a documentary. Yeah, it's it's well put together, well produced. So huge props. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So go subscribe. Go go watch his channel. Uh, he does a fantastic breakdown of this. Like I said, better than than what I can do. Uh, and and I want to give him all the props in the world for kind of breaking this story. Uh, and it answers a lot of questions that, quite honestly seem obvious now yeah after having watched this video because like i said we've talked about it multiple times here on the show why are these games why is a sealed copy of the legend of zelda one of the most prolific yeah. games in gaming history selling for four hundred and forty-one thousand yeah. dollars? it doesn't make any sense because no collector would it, ever spend that because that seems, is such a common game it seemed kind of weird because it dovetailed into prior to that I do remember a couple of stories where legitimate rare games mm -hmm. like there was there was the, the the Nintendo cartridge that was only given to the prize winners. Oh, yeah. There was the world that, championship cartridge. Yeah. The world there's, so there's like only six in the world or something like that. They still there's only like, sold for like 16,000. And, that, right, and that's right. the invested collectors. Right. That, right. That and that's, those and that's but but everybody knew that they were legitimately rare. Mm -hmm. Right. They right. were legitimately there's rare. like seven. Right. Yeah. And you're right. It only went for like sixteen, mm -hmm. was it sixteen thousand or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And it made news at that price. Yes, and it made news at that price. So yeah. So why would a game that everybody had, everybody who had a Nintendo had this game, uh, and we were like, okay, we did speculate that, okay, maybe it's because it's like every it came with it, so the standalone ones were more rare. Mm -hmm. But it still seemed an astronomical price right. or something like that. 
But this Zelda game, that was only sold at retail. It was never bundled yeah. with the original Nintendo. No. Yeah. Uh, it, there's no reason in the world, even as a sealed copy, like I can see like 5,000 for a sealed copy. Right. Like if I'm a hardcore collector, right. um, that game has history to it. And and yeah. having a a still shrink wrapped box for the Legend of Zelda, sure, that's that's worth four figures. There ain't no way it's worth you know eight figures. <laughs> yeah, I know, no way. Seven figures, even six figures. Like, I mean, yeah, these things were mass produced. Right. Everybody had they they put out so many of them. There There's were no millions of copies of the Legend yeah. of Zelda that sold at retail. Yeah. and th- and that's the thing that that is also in the video where they talk about how they're obscuring the rarity of things. Yeah how they're not listing cuz cuz one of the things that uh not that go along with rating the quality of something is the rarity of that item. Yeah. Uh and they're obscuring how rare things are and uh you know a lot of game collectors who are not as old as we are <laughs> may not know how rare that was. Right. They don't know the history behind it. So then it you know. piss you off that the CEO of Wada is like 26. I know. God. <laughs> What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This video does have a sponsor. <laughs> let's let's talk about some people who aren't. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the good folks at Linode. Thank you uh, for the folks at Linode for bringing you this episode of Talking Heads. And hold on. Let me hit the right button here. There we go. Today's episode is brought to you by Linode. If you've ever wanted to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business use, but don't have the resources or time to invest into hardware, power, cooling, or even space, why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes most of the tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS server, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. Linode makes it simple to deploy and manage your own cloud services, with solutions ranging from a single shared CPU to massive multi-core virtual machines. They even offer dedicated RTX 6000 GPUs for graphic rendering or machine learning. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Visit linode.com craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com craftcomputing and a huge thanks again to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Now, if only Linode will buy me some more beer. <laughs> I think Come they on, just guys. did, actually. Yeah, they might have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, directly. Like, right. It's always nice to get money, but you know. Yeah. Take us out and buy us a couple beers. Come on, Linode. Yeah. Come on, guys. I could totally go for a beer with, with Linode. Yeah. Speaking of beer, uh, I'm still working on mine. Still so working mine, on your jammy. A, All right. Mine was mine was 16 ounce. Yours was only a 12er. No, mine was 16. Oh, is yours 16 too? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going slow. Point. But right. yours is a jammy sour, so I'll I'll mm-hmm. give you that one. Don't don't chug it on my account. Too. No, it's a good sipper. I have to say, I don't think I said the percent on it actually. It's uh 8.6 actually. So it's kind of it's not it's not high, but it's not low either. Yeah. Uh, YouTube influencers create hype also. Um, yes and no. Uh, they can. I, I've seen... When I do stories occasionally, uh, it will create hype around some things. Yes. Um, 
Ste- but it's not intentional, yeah. Right. It's not, uh, like, it's not malicious. Right. It's it's never intentional. Well, unless I'm trying to bring attention to something. It's right. it's really not intentional. It's not malicious. Um, I have inadvertently raised prices on things before uh, <laughs> just by showing them off on the channel. Uh, yeah, it, it's always interesting to watch if I do a video on something and watch the price react. Um, even my very first video... I caused the price of the Xeon E5 2667 to go to almost double uh, to the point where within three weeks I was getting complaints on that video that I inflated prices because wow. people were buying up that chip. That was my first wow. video I ever posted to YouTube. I was not an influencer <laughs> at that point. I know. That was like, wow. Hey, look at this super chat. $100 Canadian. Whoa. Look at that. Cheers from up in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, first time watching live. Love your content and wanted to give back. I got into craft beer about a year ago, and I'm curious about the different kinds of hops. Which would you recommend and avoid and why? Thanks for everything that you do. Thank you so much, Mike. That's uh, glad to have you along. Yeah, I can, um, I can answer that question. Yeah, go for it. That's, I'm pretty, I, I even got my Willamette Valley hop. That's right. Shirt on, yeah. So, uh, so... It, it all depends on what you like. Um, and if you're just getting into craft brewing and you like the hazy IPAs that are kind of uh, juicy, citrusy, grapefruity, uh, you want to go with like the Citra hops, the Simcoe hops, uh, the Galaxy hops. Um, those are some of the big hops that they use to add uh, big citrus notes to it. Um, as to hops you may want to avoid, uh, if you don't like the overly bitter hops, uh, you may want to stay away from like ones that have very, very high alpha acids to it. Um, things like uh, um, uh, Nugget or CTZ, uh, those are those are what they call bittering hops. Mm-hmm. And they usually introduce those into the brewing process at the very end. That's what my first beer is, was full of, which is why I said it's a very yeah. bitter, grassy... Oh, yes. Yeah. One of my first IPAs that I made, I, I, I loved Citra Hop at the time, and it was a very new hop at the, mm-hmm. uh, it just, just kind of introduced to the market. And so I went to the brew store and I asked the guy, I'm like, hey, can I get some Citra Hop? And he's like, well, we don't have any. But here's some nugget hop. It should be the same. I'm like, okay. I trusted the guy, right? I didn't yeah. know. And so I and, and, and nugget's a bittering hop. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a so I just put a ton of this stuff. Yeah. And oh my God, that was it's it, yeah. it was C- a C- terrible, C- citra terrible hops idea. are a great all-around hop with with yeah. a citrus front end and a little bit of an earthy back yeah. to them. Yeah. Versus a nugget hop yeah. is just bitter. <laughs> yeah. And they even have newer ones coming out. There's like mm-hmm. a uh a uh, um, what is it? Halerto Blanc, which is like a very light hop, but kind of has a, a white grape flavor to it. Um, there's a lemon drop hop, which is not overly hoppy, but has kind of a lemony flavor to it. So there's a lot out there, and you kind of have to really follow it to see. Um, and a lot of uh, craft brewings will list their hops on there, and there's a lot of websites. So you just search it online, and it will usually tell you the flavor profile of that particular hop. But you can never go wrong with Citra, Mosaic, and uh, uh, Galaxy. Those are all great, great hops that I love. Yep. Simcoe. Yeah. Yeah. Mosaic, Citra, Simcoe, Galaxy. Mm. Those are all fantastic. Those are good ones. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, but the reason there's a whole bunch of hops is everyone's tastes are a little bit different. And so yep. I wouldn't yep. drink things that only have recommended hops in them, just like I wouldn't recommend you not try hops just because no one else likes yeah. them. Um, there's, if, if you really want to know what a particular hop tastes like, there's a style of beer called a smash beer. And it's uh, stands for like a, a single malt, single hop, or something like that. Yeah. As smash, 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 whatever. So it's like one type of malt, single malt which is and usually single two hop. Yeah, single malt, single hop. So you use one type of malt, which is usually two row, and just one type of hop. Mm -hmm. And that will give you like the base level flavor of what that hop would taste like in a beer. Yeah, Apollo Cascade, those are also good standard. Yep. Those are like those are like old school Northwest IPA hops. Yes. Yeah. Cascades especially. Cascade definitely. Or... <laughs> Cascades especially. Yeah. If, if... I like Cascades. I think they're yeah. great. But they're not the citrusy flavor. They're the more piney. Yeah. Not not superly bitter. They're, they're the just more piney. They're the ones that when people say IPAs taste like pine needles or IPAs taste like gin, they're talking about yeah. Cascade hops. Yeah, those are Cascade Cascades, yeah. Yep. So anyway. Mike, great question, and uh, thank you so much again for the super chat. Much, much appreciated. Uh, yeah, uh, and for those wondering, so so as soon as I said, like, sometimes yes. I inflate prices, uh, not intentionally, uh, I'm sure prices on the M40s, on the Tesla M40s, are going to go up because I mentioned it in today's video and recommended people go buy it. Uh just so everyone knows, I haven't inflated prices yet, which is actually kind of cool because when I did my review of the... Uh, the HP, uh, uh, those, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the names of them now, the, the cash cards, uh, the uh, store whatever cards, uh, basically flat NVMe before NVMe was known as NVMe. Right. Uh, those car, or I guess the Sun F80s, when I did a video on that, mm -hmm. the price inflated almost 400% overnight. I was getting complaints inside of six hours that they weren't affordable anymore. Um, and they're still not affordable. Uh, but the Tesla M40, there's a ton of them out there. Uh, and in fact, I just posted in chat a link where you can grab one for $235 for a 12 gig model. So if you're just looking at it for using as a gaming machine, there you go. And it's not my fault if they go up, although it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Speaking of graphics cards, thank you for the very, very natural segue. Uh, supposedly tomorrow. Yes. And I mean tomorrow. like tomorrow, like Thursday morning, yep. there is going to be a massive restocking of NVIDIA RTX 30 series GPUs yes. happening at Best Buys around the country. Now, not yep. all Best Buys are getting uh, shipments, but mm -hmm. if you saw people lining up, uh, there's a reason. It's because certain Best Buy stores are getting anywhere from 50 to 150 graphics cards tomorrow yes. morning. Yes. And that's only one one per customer. So there's no yep. you know scalping or someone's going to get in there first and buy a whole bunch of them. It's one per customer. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. And, and it's limited. And uh, they do say that they will be giving out tickets to the first people in line starting at 7.30 a.m. So I think last time we kind of reported on this too. This was like uh, a couple months ago too, right? I, I I can't remember when that happened, but we were looking. I yeah. think someone had reported that people were lining up the night before at our local. Yeah, no, uh, no, I, I I drove by three nights before, and there was there were like two or three tents outside. 
like it wasn't the night before it was a night or two or three before yeah Yeah. and people were already lined up i i remember video game releases and people lining up i have never seen that before for like a restocking of a video card yep uh here's a good question uh generation generation what is the best half height graphics card you know of uh So on the consumer side of things, uh, the obvious answer is going to be probably the AMD RX 550. It's one of the only consumer cards that's available in a half height. Uh, And until the recent storm of the last year, it was pretty readily available at about a hundred bucks. There's the tried and true GT 1030, which is also available in a half height and that does okay. Um, it's, it's not as good as the 550, uh, especially if you end up with a DDR4 instead of a GDDR5 model. Uh, don't get me started on that. Uh, but the GT1030 is there as well, and it'll, it'll play 1080p games, low settings at 60 frames per second pretty easily. Uh, RX 550 is obviously just a better deal though. Uh, also the RX 550 has four gigs of RAM, whereas the GT1030 only has two. Uh, there is a... Half height, low profile, uh, GTX 1650. Now it is an Eastern hmm. Market card only. I don't remember who who sells it, but I believe it's called the Knife. Um, let me. Oh, real real quick with the with the restocking of the Best Buy, someone had asked in chat if it applies to Canada. As far as I know, it, it does not. There is a. Um, if you go to a there's a related Twitter story where someone had posted a picture of the leaked uh, stores and the quantity that they had, mm-hmm. and there were no Canadian uh, uh, cities or stores yeah. listed. So yeah, this is just the US, US as far yeah. as I know. Uh, so the 1650 I'm thinking of is called the ASL GTX 1650 War Knife. Uh, and it is an Eastern market only card, as I mentioned, uh, still same four gigabytes of GDDR5, but it is a half height, uh, single slot blower card, uh, kind of an interesting design. Uh, I actually tried getting a hold of one not long ago, which is why I ended up building my own single slot, uh, GTX 1650 for my Xbox one S build, which is coming up. Uh, I will say there's a dark horse candidate in there. And that is, if you want to find one right now. For under $200, uh, you can find either a uh, Quadro P620 or a Quadro P1000. Both of them have, I want to say, 640 CUDA cores and 4 gigabytes of GDDR5. Um, And it's the same GPU die as the GT1030, but it has almost the same performance as a GTX 1050. Uh, it, it's like in that ballpark and they are both single slot and low profile. Uh, and you can get them right now for like 150 bucks. Um, I, yeah. I, I have one of each of those cards, uh, and, and they do quite well. So yeah, there, there's your, your rapid fire answer. Yeah. How about the RTX a 2000? Uh, it looks awesome, but I'm not spending a thousand dollars on a <laughs> single height, low profile card. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm going to open my second beer. All right. What I'm, you got? I'm going to go all that sourness. I kind of want multi. So I'm going to go with the red. Yeah. Although this does say it is a Northwest red, which means it's probably going to be hoppy. 
this is again ascendant beer company van run red ale there you go uh for those who didn't catch i opened the uh the uh forland beers landform pilsner uh that is my second beer oh man that's a horrible pour (laughs) this is like a john pour john pour (laughs) best ted in oregon yep that's right (laughs) If anybody comes driving through Oregon and you want to put graffiti on the truck stops, just put John pours the best head in Oregon. John gives the best head in Oregon. John gives the best head in Oregon. Yeah, there you go. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the P620 is about 150. P1000s are about 300. Yeah, uh, last year the, P1, the P1000s were about 200. Uh, but the P620 is almost the exact same card. They have the exact same CUDA core count. They have the exact same memory, exact same bandwidth. Um and uh, yeah, there's the Quadro T1000 right now. Yeah, I know there's higher end cards. There's current generation cards, but I was trying to go with something that's like under 200 bucks. Because if you're looking for a low profile card, you're probably looking for an HTPC or SFF build, and you're not going to spend a thousand dollars to get the same performance as uh, a GTX 1060 <laughs> just to make it low profile. So I understand there's other cards. Don't make me bring my Titan X collection out on you. Oh, yeah. I know what's happening there. Oh, wow. Oh, man. This is really good. This is like, <laughs> yeah, you should <laughs> collect them, race them, trade them. Got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. All right. So good luck to all of you heading out to a Best Buy to go camp out. Hope I'm keeping you company while you're doing that. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I, I've thought about, I seriously thought about going there. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know, man. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's close to me. It's like, it's like a 25 minute drive from where I live, but God, I gotta get up so early. I don't want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Especially after drinking like a bunch of beer tonight. Yeah. And we're gonna have the after party and, uh, if I could hire somebody to just wait in line for me. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd give an extra hundred bucks to someone to go buy me a video card. Like, yeah, seriously. Titan X can give it to you. That's right. Uh, yeah, you'll be seeing those cards very soon in, yeah. in a video coming up. Uh, let's see. The trick is to have a coffee stout. Yep. Yeah, I got to have a coffee stout if you're staying up at Best Buy. Uh, so weird, you all drinking beer here at a six in the morning. Yep. Uh, although I thought the Dutch had beer for breakfast, so it's yeah, weird that you don't have one. Yeah. Why don't you have some? Just we saying. just talked about coffee stouts. I know. That's a perfect breakfast beer. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I had a it's beer at nine o'clock it's, this morning. <laughs> it's it's what I drink when I go camping. I go mm-hmm. wake up in the morning, I get a nice thick coffee stout. Have it with some oatmeal. It's delicious. Yep. Uh, someone asked if there was a better deal uh, than the P2200 for Plex encoding in a single slot full height. Uh, again, I might look at the P620. Um, it's either that or the or the Quadro P400. Uh, they're not the same GPU core. Uh, they're the GP107 instead of the GP106 of the 2200. Uh, but they're vastly less expensive. You can you can get one for 150 bucks instead of 450 or 500 bucks. Uh, and if you use the uh, NVENC unlock patcher, 
uh, if you're running uh, your Plex server on Linux, then you can unlock it. And one of those cards can do like eight or nine or 10 streams of, of 4K444 uh, without breaking the card because the driver limits it to two. But if you bypass the driver uh, or patch the driver, you can get seven, eight, nine, ten 10 streams out of it. Uh, which makes it a heck of a deal. That's act I actually have a P400 doing my Plex encoding right now. Uh, and it, it handles at least four 4K streams, no problem at all. There, It's rare that there's more than four streams going on my server. So there you go. This one I'm excited about. Yes. This one I'm I think, very I think excited I saw about. there's a few people in the chat that were, were seeing they tuned in just for this story. Yep. Sorry, one last question. What about the M2000? The problem with Maxwell is it doesn't have as good of encoding as as Pascal. Um, although the M2000 is definitely not a bad card. Um, there's the M2000. You can also get an M1000. Um, gosh. I'm trying to think of anything else that's kind of in that range that would be affordable right now. Uh, as long as you're on Maxwell or higher, you're probably fine. Kepler cards are definitely starting to show their age in encoding uh, uh, because they only do, they'll do 4K, but only at 420. Uh, if they even do 4K, I don't remember if Kepler does 4K. And in fact, NVIDIA pulled official support for Kepler doing NVENC encoding recently. They don't even list them on their certified NVENC cards anymore. So... Uh, if someone has the old list of, of NVENC cards that show what Kepler is actually capable of, I would love to see that. I tried going to the Wayback Machine. It it didn't catch that PDF. All right. Uh, so this one I am very, mm -hmm. very excited for. Uh, years ago, years and years and years ago, I think it was Hackaday had a contest set up that said, we'll give $1,000 to the first person who makes a working tricorder. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there were some attempts, there were some, some very valiant attempts at mm -hmm. like barometric pressure and, and things like handheld scanning devices that would do real time mm -hmm. scanning of environments, uh, as well as some medical scanning and things like that, but nothing really captured the essence of the tricorder, yeah. um, until now meet the pie quarter. So. I'm not going to play the video now, but please do me a favor and click the link and go play this video back because what has been done in this form factor mm -hmm. and being screen accurate is, is. frankly mind-blowing. Uh -huh. Inside of this device is a Raspberry Pi Zero uh, with a 2.5-inch uh, uh, GPIO screen connected to it. Uh not only does the screen actively refresh actual sensor data coming from various sensors that are connected to the GPIO, but all of the lights and all of the sounds also work. And the whole thing is practically screen accurate. Now there's a couple liberties that have been taken because he needed to fit certain components in certain places and, and whatnot. And I'm sorry, but real life sensors don't look quite like they would on the front of the tricorder, but he made them fit as best as possible. And oh my gosh, this guy knocked it out of the park. Uh, he will be open sourcing this design. Uh, and you can bet your ass I'm gonna be building one. Uh, like, are you kidding? A tricorder that actually works. 
I, I mean, I have one right here. What do you mean? Yeah, you. Yeah, totally. It's right here. Yeah, Steve. Look at this. Yeah. I got my tricorder. Well, you got the old model. I I need the new Mark yeah. Six with the blue stripe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This works. Oh, thanks. the batteries are dead. But yeah, it works. <laughs> I just make. I mean, noise. I have one that works too. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I have the next generation one. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. I don't know. I like the old school classic, man. The There's old school classic retro, is is great. Retro cool, man. Retro cool. It is retro cool in a Geiger counter kind of way. <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Tech Tech Potato. What's going on, Ethan? E Ethan. Ian. Uh, sorry. Ian. Sorry. Second beer. Ian. Sir Ian. How's it going? Where's this Where's the Sambuca? What's going I, down I, at 5 a.m.? Where's the Sambuca? Uh, oh God. I wish I had Sambuca. I love Sambuca. That'd be good. I haven't had it in a while. But it's 9 o'clock here. Yeah. And Sambuca does sound good. It does sound good. Liquor stores are closed, so I can't get any, but... <laughs> Next time, next time, we'll get some Sambuca. Yeah. Tech, yeah. Anyway, for those wondering, go check out Tech Tech Potato. Uh, Dr. Ian Cutrus has a fantastic channel. Uh, speaking of Ian Cutrus, uh, OnlyFans. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. It's the next story. <laughs> uh, OnlyFans has 100% backtracked on their previous statements that they will ban all explicit adult content. Um... Now, for those not following this story, uh, OnlyFans is kind of known for being a safe harbor for sex workers, let's just say, uh, both in the sense of uh, people wanting to sell pictures and images and videos and things like that uh, of a sexual nature or nudity or things like that uh, to straight up sex workers. Uh, and uh, they've been one of the only places on the internet that people can safely take money uh, for yep. for that kind of content. So John's got an account there where he posts all his slow pouring beer videos on there. That's right. People who love slow motion beer pouring videos will imbibe yep. in his explicit content. <laughs> I actually had uh, Kronos, the slow motion camera company, reach out and say, that's a great idea that I wanted to do a slow motion beer pouring <laughs> OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there's a chrono sponsorship to yeah, be had maybe, there yeah maybe there we go <laughs> brought to you by chronos that's right yeah uh anyway uh so only fans made headlines last week uh on thursday right after our show uh that they would be banning all explicit adult content uh on october 1st so less than six weeks notice to change your platform or get wrecked son yeah. uh as it were as the kids say uh now what was explicit adult content well it wasn't the people the the men and women who are taking nude photographs of themselves that wasn't what explicit content meant mm. uh it was explicit sexual acts it was maim mutilation gore etc uh, that's that's what explicit content was. Um, and, but there was still a lot of ambiguity around what that would qualify as. Uh, OnlyFans blamed this policy change on credit card companies not wanting to either accept uh, and hold and process money from sex workers and number two, having unrealistic demands for uh, monitoring and curating said content. 
apparently the credit card companies were demanding that OnlyFans have real life in-person, not in-person, but human interaction moderation happen for every video, every live stream, every post, every picture uh, to make sure that nothing illicit was going on. Uh, and failing to do so would mean they could no longer accept credit card payments. And when you're staring at pissing off the sex workers and staring at the credit card company on your other side, who says, we're not going to process money for you anymore, you kind of have to listen to the credit card company, even though your platform was built on the backs of sex workers. Um, anyway, uh, today, in fact, just a couple hours ago, uh, OnlyFans did a dramatic U-turn posting on Twitter. Thank you everyone for making your voices heard. We have secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creator community and have suspended the planned October 1st policy change. OnlyFans stands for inclusion and we will continue to provide a home for all creators, end quote. Um, That's good because I was hoping that I didn't have to take down my erotic balloon animal videos. That yeah, I, posted on there. I mean, you make some great content. I speaking do, of. yeah, I do. Erotic balloon animals is the next 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 big thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tech Tech Potato also points out that uh, having someone live moderate everything, they lose Section 230 Safe Harbor and are categorized as a publisher as well. And that is a fantastic point as well. Because right now, as a web host who simply gives space to creators, um, mm. you are not liable in most regards for the content posted by creators. If there is sex trafficking or images of minors or things like that, that you are selling explicitly, you don't necessarily have a uh, requirement to moderate that content unless you are made aware of it. However, if it is your policy to actively monitor said content being posted and moderate and curate and then approve, you are now a publisher of said content and are held liable, not as a safe harbor, but as the original publisher of that content. Which again is a bridge that only fans could not cross. It's very hard to publish. Yeah, they have to monitor so much. It's like unsurmountable. Uh, like the static like just <laughs> Denver, ascends, Denver ascends over $10. Ignore me, but this is for your NVIDIA A100 PCI Express fund for your next. They said this GPU couldn't game video. Um, actually, I have my sights set on a Tesla V100. I'm after that Volta architecture. That's what I want to game on. <laughs> so, but no, uh, Ian brings up an excellent point that you can't moderate and curate and approve and still be a safe harbor and still be not liable for the content posted on your on your your channel on on your web forum on your on your site there with their website that's the word i'm searching for uh yeah it's it's kind of like if I start swearing at you on YouTube, YouTube is not necessarily liable for that, even though they have monetary investment in the advertisements that are placed right. on my channel. They could demonetize you, but they're not going to right. ban you or anything like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For Section 230, you can moderate after being flagged, but you can't moderate it at all. 
uh, it's a right winger complaint about Facebook doing any moderation at all. Yeah, and and that's kind of the the crux of it is if you if you view some of the content once, then you're now a publisher of that content and you're expected to monitor all of the content. And YouTube has gone through similar growing pains with uh, content designed for YouTube kids and and things like that. There are a number of different partner programs inside of YouTube that you cannot take part in if your videos are intended for a child audience that is under 13 years of age. Uh, one of those is merchandise. Uh, you cannot sell merchandise on YouTube or integrate your merch shelf uh, on YouTube if your content is geared towards kids. Uh, they won't let you into that program. Uh, speaking of that program, uh, we have merch now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Ian, for the natural segue. Uh, craftcomputing.store go check it out it's an awesome place uh we have this is our initial offering of of products uh some things you've been asking for some things you haven't been asking for but we made anyway uh my personal favorite is uh this little i'm out of beer t-shirt i like that one yeah that that that's one of my favorites that's constantly where i'm at yeah yeah uh, but yeah, we've, we've got stickers, we've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts, we've got bottle openers. We even have some glassware. We have a conical pint for sale. Uh, ignore the picture. I will be getting a better picture up very shortly. But the really cool thing about this is we're partnering with Flash FOMO, uh, who has, uh, manufacturers and, and local shippers in 70 countries, uh, including all top 15 countries that my YouTube channel is viewed in. So... The shipping charges, regardless of where you live, are not outrageous. I think the most expensive shipping charge I've heard of to date is $13. Ooh. So, uh, awesome, awesome stuff. Please go support the channel. If you've been looking for some merch, if you want to get a t-shirt or a hoodie, uh, they're, they're for sale now. You can go grab them. Is that a British pint or an American pint? It's a 16 ounce. Sorry, it, it's not a 22. And I know ounce is kind of relative to you guys anyway, but no, it's an American conical pint. Yeah. 22 ounce in America is called a bomber. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will be getting some some British pints. Uh, we, we are looking at expanding our glassware rather quickly uh, because glassware is synonymous with craft computing. I, I, yeah. I enjoy my glassware. I have... 30 different varieties of beer containing vessels and cocktail vessels. Uh, so uh, what's Flash FOMO's cut? I might be interested in taters. Uh, uh, it's cost plus 10%. And so I get I get the rest. Uh, so it's a very, very good profit share uh, program. Uh, they have designers on staff as far as graphic designers, if you'd like to use them or you can submit your own designs. Uh, Ian, uh, hit me up in Discord and I will get you in touch with my rep. Uh, and uh, and I'll make the introduction for you guys. All right. Are we on to uh, beer news? We're on to beer news. We're on to beer news now. Steve, take it away. Uh, well, I mean, I, if you want me to, that's fine. I'll do that. <laughs> I've been talking enough. <laughs> All right, so... Next up, we have not necessarily beer news, but wine news. I'll, I'll accept it. Yeah, wine news. And, of course, this wine news is right up our alley because we all love Star Trek over here. And uh, we've talked about some, you know, some Star Trek 
uh, wines in the past, like the Picard, but we have some new, new Star Trek themed wines that are coming out. And uh, most prominently is the Andorian Blue Chardonnay. Well, you say that there's a bottle that I see here that I yeah. have to have for my collection just for the bottle, and that's the bottle of Canar. The Canar, the Cardassian Canar. The Cardassian Canar. That is, if you scroll down, there's there's a better picture of it. Yeah. Um, it is a very, very ornate bottle. Yes. Yes, there it is right there. Yeah. That is that is the, the most 90s looking design bottle I have ever seen. Right. But it is still cool. Uh, uh, but it is pretty nice. That's the Cardassian Canar red wine blend. And I know John, I think John got, the Klingon red wine. I think he bought that. Uh, I have I have a bottle of, of the blood wine. Okay, the yeah. blood wine. Yeah, yeah. I I got mine like a year and a half ago. Yeah, um, and, and uh, you can you can buy all six. Yep. Of the different bottles, if you'd like, for the very low low price of three hundred dollars. Just three hundred dollars, and every single Starfleet wine could be yours. Well, Star Trek, because it's not. Oh, but I I personally like I do like the uh, the Chateau Picard. Uh, uh, just, just I, because it looks... I don't have a Chateau Picard, but I have like everything else. I'm not is... that interested in the Andorian whiskey, the Andorian blue wine. I kind of um, wouldn't mind trying that personally. I kind of like that. I think you're right, though. I think the Cardassian uh, uh, bottle is the most ornate. Uh, I'm I'm doing this right now. I'm going to buy a. <laughs> They only sell the 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 canar in two packs, and yes. so it's a hundred and twenty dollars for two bottles. Oh gosh! <laughs> so you gonna pick one up right now? I'm I'm literally typing my information in. There we go, live on the air. Yep. Jeff is is wasting his money. So, um, whoever like uh, uh, super chatted money, it's now going to just wind up. Yeah, session. thank you, Mike, for buying me two <laughs> bottles of canar. <laughs> I, I and Denver, you, you basically yeah. paid for my canar. So there you go. Thank what does the green wine taste like? Oh, it's it's got to be like that neon green stuff, doesn't it? I bet it tastes like MD twenty twenty. Probably like is that green like a Neil Breen? No, Breen is in the uh, the the race that shoved a uh, oh Lance through Picard's chest for cheating <laughs> at pool. Right. Yes. Yes. I thought they're talking about Neil Breen. Thirteen, thirteen, Mockingbird Drive, Salem, Oregon. Thirteen, thirteen, Mockingbird. <laughs> That's supposed to be the monsters' address. Yeah. Well, not Salem, but yeah, thirteen, thirteen, Mockingbird Drive. And they're charging me shipping. What the? F <laughs> I know that kind of price for wine. Good lord, Jesus. they're really just raking Star Trek fans over the coals. Uh, you know, it's only two dollars more to get second day air. <laughs> you can get you can get See? UPS ground. Do you, do for twenty one ninety five, or you can get UPS second day air for twenty four ninety. Do you need it that fast? I might as well. I, I, it's two dollars, right? What's two dollars among among friends? Yeah. I mean, God, I'm already this this far into it. All right, cards coming out <laughs> <laughs> already. All right. Well, since you're going to be ordering stuff, 
let's move on to the next story. Yeah. And uh, I will talk about that as well while you continue with your order. Yep. Go for it. Okay. So this one is actually a beer news item. And um, this one actually, I wouldn't mind trying this because um, this has something to do with one of my favorite quick, easy lunches that is tasty and, and quick and easy to make. Um, so <laughs> I can't switch the screen just so you might have to I know. for me. No, okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm checking out on our screen right now. <laughs> okay. So All right. I know. Okay. I, right, I'm so hitting I'll complete just, I'll order. Just, I'll just talk about it while we talk. Okay. So Jeff will flash this up when he can, but we're talking about a brewery that is making a beer that is most best paired with mayonnaise. Now, some people may not like mayonnaise. I like mayonnaise. I like mayonnaise with a lot of sandwiches. Uh, but this specific one is geared towards like a BLT. Yeah. So very simple. Bacon, lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise, toasted bread. Delicious. Especially if you put a lot of bacon on there. Super yep. good. So they're trying Sorry, to Sorry, I'm make... screenshotting right now without giving any information away to prove oh, you, that you... I just <laughs> made this purchase. So there we go. Thank you for your order. Go. Uh, here we go. So $144.28 is what I just spent on two bottles of Canar. <laughs> but you got Canar, though. I, I do. I have Canar yeah, now. You got some Canar, yeah. Yeah. Canar, Nar. All right. Have Canar with Dinar. Or yeah. Damar. Dem yeah, Canar with Damar. Yep. Was the. Uh... So when you're, when you're talking earlier about how that Pilsner was like really good, like it was a really good Pilsner that you had. Yeah. So this Still beer a good is. Yeah, so this beer is it's a lager. It's not a, it's it's in the Pilsner realm, I guess. It's like a Vienna lager, so it's kind of like a Pilsner. Um so it's going to be that light crispy, malty um kind of bready, yeasty flavor that goes with it. And they're thinking that that's going to be something that pairs really well with a nice mayonnaise laden BLT which quite honestly sounds very good to me. I'm getting hungry myself. I love a good BLT with some nice thick cut smoky bacon and some fresh steak tomatoes. Oh, yeah, sounds good. And a nice pint of beer. That sounds awesome. Uh, and if you guys just happen to be in the Charlotteville area, they are going to be doing a launch party at the brewery, uh, Champion Tap Room in Charlottesville. Uh, this Friday, the, oh no, it was last Friday. <laughs> so I guess you, if you didn't get it, you missed it. Um, but I'm sure they still have it on tap over there. So if you want to go over there and try the beer, try it with a nice BLT with lots of mayonnaise. You can let me know what it tastes like. I'd like to know. Jeff would probably like to know. He'll do it and appreciate it while he's sipping his wine. Yes. Yeah. I'm only going to open one of those bottles. Well, you get two of them. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you can, you know. I got one to spare. Like, That's right. Totally. You can you can burn through one real quick. And... Controversial opinion. I'm not that big of a fan of mayonnaise. Uh, okay. Mayonnaise or, or Miracle Whip? Mayonnaise. Miracle, miracle Whip. I don't like disgusting. Miracle Whip either. That's, oh, okay. That's right. disgusting. Like mayonnaise, no. I could use a very light coating of mayonnaise on like a burger and, and things okay. like that. Um, so, it's not an ingredient and it sure as hell ain't a condiment. <laughs> I, I I am kind of I'm kind of obsessed a little bit 
recently with a lot of cooking YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. And I watched one about making sandwiches at home that taste as good as like the sandwich shops and the sub places that you go to at the store and what they do differently. And what they say is like uh, fat content with salty meats enhances the flavor mm -hmm. because the salty meats with the fat in like the mayonnaise and stuff like that spreads across your tongue and makes that savory salivating flavors stick to your tongue. It makes you appreciate the sandwich a little more. So like a good, it doesn't have to be mayonnaise. You can do like olive oil, mm -hmm. olive oil and salt. They also say to salt your vegetables. Yes. So those, those, so if you don't like mayo, then maybe you want to try like a olive oil or a, or a olive oil with some spice in there. Put that on the sandwich just to accentuate that a little bit more. Yep. Ian says, uh, replace mayonnaise with buffalo sauce. Couldn't agree more. I, I, buffalo sauce is too vinegary for me. I do like really? wings. Yes, wings yeah. are great. But traditional buffalo sauce, not a big fan. Too vinegary for me. Yeah, to each their own. This, I watched me. I, I am. I am true American through and through. It's all about the ranch. I do not watch sorted food, but I will definitely check it out. No, uh, ranch and barbecue sauce. Like that's what I'm about. Oh yeah. Not even much, I, I, much of a ketchup fan. Like I'll, I'll have ketchup on like a hot dog. And the way I eat mm -hmm. a hot dog is ketchup and onion. No, I'm, I'm, I'm big into hot sauce too now. Yeah. Like hot sauce on just about everything. I know we've talked about that on Discord quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. We've gone back and forth with quite a few people who are big into hot sauce. And I think I think there were a few people who were saying they were going to send us hot sauce, but uh, we have yet to receive any. That's not true. I do have some hot sauce. Oh, you do have some I hot do. sauce. Now, are you a big hot sauce person? Or not I'm really? not a huge hot sauce person. Okay, then that is for me. That hot sauce is for like, me. Like, I appreciate a decent <laughs> one, but... Because I know, I know John that is not, is not into yeah. hot sauces. I am into hot sauce. Now, now I am much more of a spicy food fan than John is because John yes. doesn't like spice. Period. No, no, like no. Pepper is too spicy for John. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and and yeah. me, it's like, oh, I can't get enough of it. Oh uh, yeah, no, I like, I, I like, I, I'll watch hot ones and stuff like that. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I can do that. I can, I can handle. I can probably that. do that. Yeah, I have had their last dab hashtag craft competing on hot ones. Make it happen. I've had, I've had the bomb. I've had, I, I've had all those hot sauces, and I've was able to handle all of them yep in small amounts i don't know if i can do them back to back huh. like where did this email show, come but... from thank you for your order from star trek wines oh wow look at that why have hot sauce when you can have hot chips <laughs> i've had hot chips before too uh i do have some uh have you had the frito scoops with the jalapeno in them no. Holy crap, I've had they're the Frito good. scoops, but not the jalapeno. Oh, you got to get the jalapeno Frito scoops. See, I I am dictated by my 4-year-old's flavors and snacks as of late. Yeah. So, oh, I I, I, I hear you. Like yes. like I have two and soon to be three kids. Yes. But yes. I still buy snacks for myself from time to time. And uh I'll, I'll have to pick one up. That sounds really good. Yeah. I do like the like Tim's jalapeno chips were like my favorite. Yeah, those are good. Yeah. Yes, yeah. If you like those, you will you will like the the Fritos. So yeah, Frito scoops with jalapeno. Uh, no, my uh, uh, little bit. She she loves chips and she likes you know sampling things off my right. plate. Uh, but both her and my wife are celiac. They are mm -hmm. hundred percent right. gluten free. 
uh, because not because we're gluten free and we live in the posh part of town and blah, 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 and it's the hip thing to do and the hip. Right. No, it's like no, they have an autoimmune disorder, yeah. um, which is one of the most frustrating conversations to have at restaurants ever. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but she likes to sample my food and uh, and whatnot when she can, and uh, she really likes the Frito scoops. I've had those a number of times. Mm. Well, I had the Fritos jalapeno scoops and she goes, can I try those? And I said, I don't know if you'll like them. They're, they're kind of spicy. She yeah, goes, no, yeah. I try. And I said, okay, okay. Here, here's one. She takes a bite and she goes, mm, that's good. And whatnot. And it's like, wow. Okay. Like kids got chutzpah. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, took a second bite. I don't but, like these. Because no, like <laughs> the heat builds up. The heat yeah, builds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I actually have to take a rare break because I know we talked about at the beginning. <laughs> oh man, I cannot, I'm going to have to go take a break. <laughs> I'll be right Steve back. is tapping out. All right. So, uh, we do have some more beer news that we can get to, uh, SpaceX. SpaceX has been in the news a number of times over the last couple of years, and they are in the news again, but we can talk about them on an official capacity on this channel because SpaceX will be flying hops into space. Uh, they will be uh, uh, on a private mission, uh, Inspiration4, and the hops will be auctioned off for charity and hopefully later turned into a beer release so we can all enjoy it. Uh, so this will be happening, I believe, in October. Uh, 70 pounds of hops will be hitching a ride on Inspiration4. Uh, and uh, all, all proceeds will go to the St. Jude uh, Children's Research Hospital. Uh, I, I want to say it was October. I'm forgetting the date, though. But yeah, 70 pounds of hops are going up into space, which is, uh, I think, a very cool thing. Um, I will say I do have one bottle on my shelf, which has a similar grain bill to it. And that is my Star Trek 10 forward vodka, also purchased from StarTrekWines.com, uh, in which the grain was sent to space and then later distilled into vodka. So I'm not at all unfamiliar with the process. I think the whole point behind that really is that people are hoping there's going to be some gamma radiation that's going to get imbued into that and they're going to drink it and get superpowers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Course, Mr. Incredible you know, or. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, when you're drinking beer or liquor, you're just going to get like a superpowered liver and be able to drink everybody under the table. That's going to be like your only superpower. Um, Not a bad superpower to have though, by the way, Gosh, there, which most, most Russians have that superpower already. So yes. Not a, yeah. Not, not. There was an early family guy episode in which uh, it was like a, a mailbag episode of family guy where yeah. they did like three mini episodes in a single episode. And one of them, they got uh mutant powers because this chemical truck crashed in their front driveway. Right. Yeah. And uh, mayor Adam West, Played by Adam West, yes. uh, dove into the toxic sludge to get superpowers, and then the next scene he's sitting at the doctor's office, and they're like, "What were you doing? I was rolling around in toxic sludge so I would get superpowers." Well, that's just crazy. Now you have lymphoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it didn't didn't Meg like get the ability to grow and grow her, her fingernails? fingernails. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> she like got the lamest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brian got super speed. Ask me how the king yeah. of Taipei is. How's he? He's fine. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I forget what Stewie's was. I think Stewie's was telekinesis and something like that. Yeah, yeah I can't remember. Um, but yeah, Meg goes, "What did I get?" 
Oh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> I can really scratch it good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is the carbon footprint of that beer more than Jeff's? Uh, ooh, ooh. I would say over under yes, simply because my entire server stack. Everyone always asks me, "What's the, what's your power bill like?" Well, I would, I will, I will answer this in two ways. Number one, Oregon has some of the cheapest industrialized power on the planet because we're, we're we are a lot of hydroelectric, a lot of hydroelectric, completely yeah. renewable readily available um and so my power is like 7.3 cents per kilowatt hour it's even low lower than steve's uh because i'm on a, on a municipal uh power company it's a public owned power company um and so my power company is not for profit and so 7.3 cents per kilowatt hour when i know a lot of people are paying like 15 to 20 cents per kilowatt hour throughout the rest of the country um yeah uh, but what I will say is my server rack on average throughout the day draws about 850 Watts. Now that's it's, it's constant draw. Uh, it's a lot of power, but it's also running just on a single circuit. It, it's not like I have this multi mm -hmm. three phase thing set up like it's 800 Watts. It's a lot of power, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of power. Uh, like it takes a lot more uh, to cool my house than it does to run my servers. So put it in that context. You can only utilize the heat from the servers to heat your house in the winter. Uh, yeah, you can like, save a little money there. Actually, it heats my garage quite nicely. Well, yeah. <laughs> it is nice to go out there in the garage like in, and in the winter it's time, 60 degrees when it's garage. 35 outside. Right. Yeah, I'd go have parties out in the garage in the wintertime. Yep. It's a little loud for parties out there, I will say. Yeah, we'll play some. We'll play some like Texas Hold'em or something. Eight hundred watts is a microwave on all the time. Well, that's just a weak ass microwave. Mine's twelve hundred watts. Yeah. yeah. If you want to warm some bread. Yeah. Uh. Can you use space heater in the winter? Yep. Yep, I do use it as a heater in the winter. I haven't quite figured out how I want to recapture the heat and recirculate it through my house, although it's certainly possible. Yeah. Uh, my HVAC system is not that far from my server rack, uh, and it's certainly something I've thought about. Uh, it might be something that, that I integrate into my next expansion. So, hmm. Interesting project, yeah. Yeah, that could be fun. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, James May is getting yeah. a gin all yeah. to his very own. Top uh, Gear gin. Yes. Uh, I th I think this is less of James May offering a gin and more just James May wanted a lot of gin for himself. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like those who know it's James like, May know, know James May loves gin. Yes. Well, most British people do. Come yes. I, do like I love gin. I love gin too. I'm not British, but I love gin. Freaking love gin. Gin, gin is my one A to whiskey. Yes. Yeah, I think those are like my two. I, I I do like a good rum, but I find a good rum harder to find than a good gin or a good whiskey. Yes. So I, I, I appreciate go. a good rum, but I don't go searching for good rums. No. I have my staples and I'm like, all right, I'll stick with that. But I will tend to wander with my gins and I'll tend to wander with my whiskeys because... 
Yeah. I always am looking for something, the next, the next good one that I like. Right. I, I'm looking for the next thing that I want to have in my bar full time. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know it's been a while since I've visited your bar, but the times that I have, I've sampled many a whiskey and many a gin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so James may getting a gin. That's the story. Like literally yeah, that's it. that right There's there. Not, that's the not story. Much detail. Yep. No, yeah, that's it. Uh, he is signing the first 1,420 bottles, and uh, you guys can pick it up on a larger scale starting in the next couple of months. Yeah. Uh, if someone happens to be in the UK and wants to send me a bottle of James Jen, I would very much appreciate it because I would love to review it. Well, we can ask Andy at eTechnics. Well, there's Andy, there's Ian. He's right there. Yeah, that's both. Yeah, I mean, they're both there. God, look right it's, over like the it's guy. A, it's, a, it's a tiny, tiny country. Yeah. It's so small. It's like they could just walk across the country. If they I wanted. love that your first thought is, well, there's Andy from eTechnics when Tech Tech Potatoes goes like, am I a joke to you? <laughs> That's true. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, we might have to do a little bit of a, of an international swap there, Ian. Yeah. So we'll, we'll give them our HRD vodka. And they could, <laughs> they could give us. Uh, you know, I actually their James made gin. Yeah, no, I, I will send you some good Northwest uh, U.S. gin. First batch is sold out. I did I stutter? <laughs> I, I didn't ask no, we, for we excuses. Do, we do have some really good Pacific Northwest yeah. exclusive liquors that are that are really good. Yep. No, I uh, the the one that really comes to mind is Vivacity uh, down in yes, Corvallis. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, they have their native gin, and they've got their uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on their other gin that they make. Uh, their native gin is just mm-hmm. it's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I I have a bottle right up there. I mean, we don't have to limit it to gin. I mean, yeah. there's like some like uh, McMinniman's pear brandy is like one of my absolute favorites. Like, and you can only get that here. All right. Uh, one of Steve's favorite games is getting a 4K remaster. Oh yeah. Now, to be fair, okay, go ahead. Let's just. Uh, I'll, I'll tell Skyrim. my Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> you could do. Yeah, you could do Skyrim 4K now. What do you mean? That's right. That's right. Uh, no Quake. So still Bethesda, still id software. Yeah. Uh, now Microsoft uh, is getting a 4K remaster, online multiplayer, lobbies, and more. Uh, so for those of us old enough to have lived through the ni- yeah. Windows 95, 98 era, not mm-hmm. looking at anyone in particular in the chat mm-hmm. right now, uh, but we were blessed with being able to play such classic games as Quake, oh, yeah as oh, yeah. Unreal Tournament, as Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like these were all cream of the crop online yes. multiplayer games. And oh, yes. if you think you have to complain about lag today, let me tell you. Oh, God. <laughs> now, yeah, it was... Well, let me explain had, something about dial-up to you. I, I had the privilege of working at a company that had a T1 line at the time. You bastard. So, I know. It was, I mean, okay, but I still went home when I played. When I went played, I hated it. Right. Because I just had dial-up. But when I went to work, but then, of course, I can only play during my lunch hour. Yeah. And I have to, I have to, I have to tell you this story. Uh, and this kind of, kind of ties into the Quake thing because um, 
I remember when Quake first came out, we were in in our office. We were in the thralls of just playing Duke Nukem, Duke Nukem 3D, like every day out of lunch and after work. Because like we had the LAN network going on at Duke Nukem were great. Yep. Everybody was playing it. Yep. And they totally didn't care. We had the T1 line coming in uh, if we wanted to do multiplayer online. Um, and then Quake first came out. I wasn't that impressed with it. I mean, I like the 3D technology, but it mm-hmm. didn't seem as fun to me yeah. as Duke Nukem felt. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about that time in gaming, too, was 3D graphics were still fairly new and fairly right. unexplored in how right. you actually wanted to put them together and get yes. a cohesive gaming experience out of them. Right. I, I enjoyed the first person aspect of it when I played yeah. it. I thought this was neat because you can actually look up and look straight down and stuff like that. That was that was pretty amazing to me. But it when it came to multiplayer, I didn't find it as fun at the time as Duke Nukem. Yeah. No, but Duke remember, Nukem and Doom 2 uh, for Windows 95 were, yes. were kind of like my multiplayer jams yes. until Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 came out. And then that became, yes. that took over everything. Well, that but that was like years later, though. 97? I mean, was it Dark Forces 2 was 97? Yeah. Was it Dark Forces 2, Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight? It, it was... So there was Dark Forces, which was a single yes. player DOS affair right. only. Yes, yes, yes. Jedi Knight Dark or Dark Force. I think it was called Jedi Knight Dark Forces Two, and I then there so and then there was Jedi Knight Two Jedi Outcast, which came out around two thousand one. Uh, but no, it was Jedi it was, Knight yeah. Dark Forces was, Two. Yeah, Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces Two. I have it right here. Was it ninety six or ninety seven? I want to say it was ninety seven. Let me go look here. Uh, ninety seven. You're right. It's 97. I Good know job. my Jedi Knight. Like, <laughs> same year as Starcraft. That's right. Put That's that right. feather in your cap. Yeah. So yeah, 3D was this weird, unexplored uh, yeah. amalgamation uh, of like, before 3D was like, there's a 3D environment in which, which I mean a bunch of cubes with textures on them with sprites yes yes that was 3d uh until uh we got fully rasterized quake in in a first person shooter it was the first rasterized first person shooter Mm -hmm. um and uh there were a couple other games that beat it to the punch of being the first fully rasterized game but it was the first fully rasterized 3d shooter Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah uh, I fully agree that I played more Duke Nukem 3D than I did Quake, Quake. and yeah. and uh, the original Unreal. Yeah. No. Oh no 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 no. The yeah. original Unreal. It was I played that. Yeah. No no no. The original Unreal. I played that crap out of that too. No, did you? I oh, yes. I never liked that one. I never oh, no, liked I it. Loved that. Like UT 2004. I lived on. Yes. Oh no no. I I loved the, the original Unreal. I saw the potential in the multiplayer, and I thought it was great. That it because it, it reminded me a lot of Duke Nukem multiplayer, but it was fully 3D because it had some really great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't have the weird like shrink ray gun like they had in Duke Nukem, <laughs> but I mean, you had like the rocket launcher and the yeah. Gib gun, and they had all those great great guns that you had in there. Yeah, so I had a lot of fun with that one. But you're right, uh, UT is where it really blew out. Yeah. But um, I still I still like Unreal. Uh, another game that is getting another release, uh, the fifth release in 
10 years and that is skyrim <laughs> skyrim who doesn't own getting... it at this point that's what i want to know I, I still have i bought it when it first came out i bought it on launch day i bought it on launch day too yeah <laughs> I and, I, and I remember it like it was yesterday because it kind of feels yeah. like it was yesterday. It was November it 11th, happen. 2011. Guess what? November 11th, 2021, Bethesda will be announced or releasing a 10th anniversary edition of Skyrim, which yeah. is nothing more than the Skyrim Special Edition, which they launched in 2017 with mm -hmm. the addition of 500 user-created mods that they didn't have to pay a freaking penny for. Yeah. That's this it. Is, this is this is the tenth anniversary of one of my favorite birthdays I've ever had because my birthday is in November. Yeah. And uh, Skyrim came out, and uh, so we decided to go out to the Oregon coast. And people who are not familiar with the Oregon coast, uh, around November, it is just abysmal yes. and dreary. Uh, so it's just like rain and wind. Yep. But for my birthday, my wife took. She's like, hey, I got a, I got a cabin out in the middle of the coast for us. I'm like, well, I just got Skyrim. I'm gonna take my, I'm gonna take my PC with me. <laughs> so we got a cabin. It was right next to a brewery out in the coast, and we just sat there. I, I just sat there, and I played Skyrim and drank beer at the coast while watching storms roll in and the ocean. It was pretty great. I have to say, I really liked it. It wasn't necessarily that I like Skyrim. I, I, I mean, I still kind of do, but the atmosphere and the drinking the beer—it was a great time. Oh, totally. Probably one of the one of the one of the best birthdays. I I played the absolute heck out of Skyrim. It's it's one of the few games that I've crossed the 500 hour mark on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's probably five or six games in that entire conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, it's a great game. It's a gripping game. It's an engaging game. It's a game that I love to play. Oh, and there's so much you can do. Right. As long as you end up being. A stealth, a stealth archer. archer. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You're going to end up. No one ever that. starts out <laughs> aiming to be a stealth archer. But you end up being a stealth but archer. You end, I mean, you're an orc and you're still a stealth archer. <laughs> well, no, it just, just happens to be that way. Yeah, I, I just gave up and started getting all my characters as high wood elf. I might as well start with a level 20 archery yeah. if that's what just what I'm going to end with anyway. I know. You were born under the warrior, Stealth Archer. Stealth Archer, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but you get a plus 20 dexterity and a, no, Stealth Archer. Stealth Archer, yeah. All right, what else we got? Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. 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 Microsoft Flight Simulator is getting a competitive multiplayer add-on in... In the fall, sometime. Sometime, yes. Sometime this autumn. Competitive. We say in the late summer. Is it going to be like how quickly you can crash your plane? Because uh, I'm going to win that one. Well, wake me up when September comes because... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, no, this will be like... Uh, uh, like, think the, the Red Bull... Uh, air race kind of thing. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be that kind of uh, of environment okay. where it's it's competitive uh, racing and uh, acrobatics, aer aeronautics, mm -hmm. etc. Uh, so, World Update six, as we already knew, arrives on September seventh and aims to enhance all of Flight Simulator's uh, rendition of a lot of uh, places, including Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Uh, 
And later in the fall, we are expected to get the multiplayer update in which you can engage in competitive multiplayer. Nice. That's the story. That'd be interesting. I mean, I played a little bit of it, and it's a uh, great, mm-hmm. great simulator. Uh, but it's not really um, something that I have the patience for. Right. Uh, I, I, don't know, I, I used it's beautiful. to love flight simulator like mm. i had a full cockpit rig at one yeah, point yeah um i i spent a good number of of hours in flight simulator simply because i i find more relaxation in that in mm. gaming than i do in oh yeah first person shooters and like skyrim kind of gave me the same kind of satisfaction where right. it's not just necessarily exploring. just exploring uh, yeah. Breath of it, Breath of the Wild. I mean, like three of vastly different games. Yeah. Uh, but the same kind of laid back with a little bit of excitement every once in a while. Like mm-hmm. that's that's my jam. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I used to play the heck out of Flight Simulator. Yeah. Uh, Ninety eight, two thousand, two thousand four. Right. X. Yeah. Oh, I still I still remember the. Uh... I mean, I'm going to really date myself, but I remember playing the original Flight Simulator. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, yeah. it was blocks. It was just I. I never. I never and... played the original Flight Simulator. I had uh, Jet Fighter Two. Yeah, it's pretty close though. Yeah, about the same. About the same thing. There were five yeah. planes in the San Francisco Bay, and the buildings were just like gray cubes and oblong yeah. oblong rectangles that's, that's what the original there was an aircraft like carrier and you could land on it and so i got really good at that you could also uh spawn up to three enemy planes and dogfight with them oh really yep no i just i just remember being able to, i took off from seattle airport and flying all the way to the portland airport yep but no, you could fly an F-14, you could fly an F-A-18 Hornet, you could do uh, a couple other things. There was uh, later an add-on, I believe you could fly with the X-29, which was an experimental inverted wing design. Oh, um, so fancy. Yeah, so... World's first DLC. Yeah, so that that wasn't necessarily flight simulator level. It wasn't simulator level, it was definitely more arcadey, but yeah. you could stall your plane. You, you had to know how to use your flaps. You had to, like, it was... Yeah. Yeah, equivalent was, with some early was, simulators yeah but i mean i don't know if you played um the the latest flight simulator but it is they because they use the the mapping seattle map or satellite mapping yeah. for textures more than just seattle yeah right satellite sorry satellite yes satellite imaging and and uh, bump mapping to automatically create buildings yeah and I was able to follow like freeways and stuff like that, find my house and try to crash into my house, (laughs) all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, it's great. I haven't played the the most recent one. Um, You you should try it. I mean, if you have a decent video card, it is very, very graphically impressive. Um, And it's, like you said, very chill. I wonder how it plays on triple Titan XSLI. Well, you can give that a shot. That's going to be something to put in your benchmark repertoire there. I, I think I need to triple SLI my Titan X's just for just for grins. Just to see what happens? Yeah. I, I doubt you're going to get much out of it. It's not going to work well. No, because like it has to be optimized for SLI anyway. Yes, yeah. And no one's optimizing for SLI now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if... 
triple SLI in 3D Mark still beats a 3090. That's what I want to know. Um, I'm curious. I mean, I'm going to guess no, but it's going to be close. It's closer than than I think so. Yeah. I, that would be that would be very interesting to see. <laughs> Rev says, if you have a decent video card, am I a joke to you? <laughs> <laughs> Stares lovingly at both my 3090 I, and my 6900 I XT. I wasn't, I wasn't addressing you. I know you have a decent video yeah, card. Yeah. I was addressing the audience. Well, you said, Jeff, it's worth playing if you have a decent video card. Like you, you addressed me specifically in the sentence. <laughs> right. I got a giggle out of it too. So okay. Jeff, do you have a decent video card? Uh, I have one or two. Yeah, okay. Just just, yeah. just checking. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, what CPU is going in that Titan 3-way three, three SLI? Uh, yeah, what, what are you going to hmm. you use your... Uh, I mean, you could you have several systems to put them in if you wanted to. Yeah. I need to look around. I need to see what I've got. The only triple SLI boards that I know that I have are, I have an MSI Creation X299, but I only have a 70, 7820X uh, eight core, mm. which is not- Not not, not good. Yeah, that's, it's, that's okay, it's but... KB Lake X and it's not the greatest single no. threaded chip. Like mm -mm. it does 3.4 fine, but don't ask it to do over four gigahertz. Right, like, right. It, it doesn't like it. Uh, yeah, I, I need to get I need to upgrade that board to a ninth gen chip to to get actual decent single threaded results out of it. Yeah. Um, I do have a fifty nine fifty X, but it's only a two A SLI board. Uh, I've got a Threadripper twenty nine fifty X, which I believe will support it. Three that might be a good one to do. Yeah, if you could do fit three in there. But it's it's still only second generation Ryzen, so we're still not talking mm. great not, single not threaded great, performance. Yeah, single threaded performance. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Is someone is someone in the chat going to cause you to buy a new three-slotted motherboard? No. No, I'm not going <laughs> to no. buy any new parts for this video. I have spent enough money. Thank yeah. you. Uh Ian says Core i3 2400. I have one of those. I have that chip. Uh i3 2400 and triple SLI Titan. Boy, could I find uh That'd a Z sixty eight chip with uh with triple SLI support. Do they make such a beast? <laughs> I don't know if they do. To be honest, I'm maybe. One would assume. I, I, I maybe I don't know. Uh, I did have my original uh uh i seven build. I I in two thousand eight I built my I built myself an X fifty eight. Uh, mother or system with mm -hmm. an i7 920, the original i7 oh, CPU. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's an old one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so four core, eight thread. Uh, mm -hmm. And I had an EVGA classified motherboard on that thing, which supported four way SLI. Oh, really? Yep. Mm. Never should have sold that thing. I, I sold that. Oh, you got rid yeah. of it then, huh? Mm. Uh, plenty of, SL of uh, Z77 boards had PLX. That is true. Yep. So. In theory, fifty nine sixty X is a clear choice. I do have uh, some fifty nine sixty Xs. I have two of them. Yeah, 
Only yeah, 24 I mean, PCIe something. lanes on the 5950X? Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> Remove a card and throw them in a Z420. <laughs> oh, man. Gigabyte EX58UD3R. Yes! That was a great board. Uh... Boy, X58, what a, what a wonderful and intrinsic, intrinsically flawed CPU architecture or chipset architecture yep. while also having the longevity that not many architectures have seen. Uh, I mean, think about the gaming enthusiasts who oh, of course. bought a CPU in 2008 and could still run that CPU competitively in 2016. Like yeah. it was it was one of the boards that had the most It had legs. I remember. Yeah. It had legs, yes. Yeah. Maximus 4 uh Z68 for the win and Gigabyte Z68X UD7B3 all did. Well, I can tell you I'm probably not going to find a Maximus 4. I can tell you a Z68 for the win is probably going to be about 300 bucks. Yeah, even now. Even today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, just, just to let you know, Ian, uh, I've been to Tillamook, Oregon. <laughs> they make wonderful cheese. Oh, they do. It's not just they a do. CPU architecture. Yes. Uh, it's, it's just south of Nehalem, Oregon. Yeah, it is. I've been there as well. well. If you drive up 101, you hit all those places. You hit all the, yeah. It, it's like driving down Intel history. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. From KB Lake to Nehalem to Tillamook. It's yeah. all there. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. We do have one more story to get to, and that is yep. happy 30th birthday. It's just Super Mario World. I know we were talking earlier about dating ourselves, but my goodness. Does it feel like 30 years? In some ways, yes. In a lot in, of in ways, some ways. In some ways, yes. Uh, 30th, man. That seems like. Doesn't that hurt a little bit? It does. Yeah. I mean, I loved my NES. I absolutely adored my NES. Yes. I played my NES to the ground, and yep. I played my Super NES to the ground as yep. well. Same. And I think my original NES might still be up in my parents' attic somewhere. I don't know. Well, it hey, if you have a Zelda cartridge, you're sitting on like $411,000 <laughs> no, right now. I have no original packaging. In fact, the last, and I feel, I still feel kind of bad about this. I had a uh, Final Fantasy three, which was Final Fantasy six in Japan. Uh, original packaging, and everything that I traded for Diablo 2 when it first came out. Which, well, I mean, Diablo 2 is great and everything like that. But right. I think uh, original packaging and original cartridge for Final Fantasy 3 America would be more I, of a collector I, item than... I, I have a worse story than you. Oh, really? Yeah, I, you think think we'll end, I think we'll end with this because I think it ties in the retro gaming aspect very well. Okay. Um, shortly after the release of the Nintendo 64... Like any young gamer, uh, 
I was done with the Super Nintendo. Even though I I had spent many fond years with my Super Nintendo, with Final Fantasy II, Final Fantasy III, Chrono Trigger, Mm -hmm. Earthbound, Populous. Uh, Like, go through, like, the must-have titles for the Super Nintendo. Mario RPG. I owned them all. I had them all. I had original boxes. I had manuals. I had had everything. Took them into a Game Crazy, which is kind of like an electronics boutique or a... uh, Yeah. So Game Crazy was a local video game franchise owned by Hollywood Video uh, out of Wilsonville, Oregon. Uh, But... uh, Walked into a Games Crazy and traded them all in. All of them. Yeah. Everything. Uh, I think I walked out of there with Pilot Wing 64, Custom Robo, and I think maybe Quest 64. I think those were the three games that I walked out with. Oh, I mean, Pilot Wings wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I liked Quest, although, got it. It wasn't even a great game it's, at the it's time. Not even, it doesn't. It pales in comparison to Final Fantasy Mario. VI. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Final Fantasy III. Yeah. Well, Final Fantasy III. Quest is still sixty four is a worse RPG than Mario RPG. Yes. Exactly. Like, like, let's put it that way. Uh, let alone Earthbound, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy III, Final Fantasy II. Those were all great games. I had Populous. I had Populous. Yeah. The yeah. Electronics Art Classic Populous. Yeah. yeah. I, I had them all. The sad seat of affairs. Yeah, no, I've made my mistakes too. Yep. But yeah, Populous was great. Yep. So yeah, that's that's my worst story. Such a sad note. Yep. Yep. Anyway, uh, one more <laughs> sad note before we go. Uh, yeah. We are, I know we talked about this last week where we kind of announced it and we were trying to hype it up. Uh, September 8th will be our 200th episode here on Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost exactly four years we've been running the show. We have almost right, 200 right. episodes yeah. to show for it. Uh, we were going to do an in-person live show live from Sandy Am Brewing on September 8th. Uh, we were going to invite people out. If you were in the local area, you can come out. You can see us live. Um, we are now canceling that stream. Uh 2021 following right in the footsteps of the longest year I've ever known of 2020 uh, and what looks like part three coming very shortly. Uh, It's not smart, responsible, or in any way something that we should be doing. Uh, So we are officially canceling the in-person show. Uh, We will not be going to the brewery. It will still be a social show. Uh, we're still going to have all four people on board. Uh, I might have Rhett over in person and then maybe John and Steve can get together at their place. Yes. Cause I thought about that. Yes. Yeah. Cause th- those are kind of like our inner circles. Like Rhett's part of my inner circle that I'm, I'm okay to hang out with. Uh, and, and likewise, you know, you guys can, can hang out together. So we well, might do with John, like a, John lives less than a mile away from me. So it's like, right. It's yeah. Um, so I have very few friends that, that I, I see on a regular basis and Rhett is one of them. Um, so we might do something like that, but at the very least, uh, I do have beer, matching beer for matching all beer. of us to drink on that night. And that's the best we can do. Yes. So that's be, that'd be fine. Yeah. So we're excited for some of those beers. We will still be able to comment on the beers in person at the same time. So I am excited about that. Uh, but unfortunately, there's always 300. Yep. 
Yeah. There's well, art, or we can start going to increments of 25 if we really wanted to. Yeah, we we might, you know, let, let's aim for 225. 225 might be fun too. If you bastards would just wear your damn masks and go get vaccinated, <laughs> this could all be over. I'm as tired of it as you are, and man, please just go do it. Well, we can always do a live stream in the middle of an open field. With nobody else there. <laughs> I, I considered having you all over and just like setting up the fire pit on my deck. Hey, that Honestly. sounds awesome too. I did, I, I did stream from the hot tub for a little bit. We can do that. We could do hot tub stream. <laughs> we could. Uh, I don't know it's that a, a hot, hot moist tub. environment would be the best uh, uh, come on. insulator you know for COVID. <laughs> Ian says. Could... <laughs> Ian says, Jeff, I have very few friends. Dang, that hits home. <laughs> And on that note, I think we will call it a show. This has okay. been episode 198 here on Talking Heads. Thank you so much for joining us on this show. It has been an absolute blast. We broadcast every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time right here on YouTube. If you liked this video, make sure to hit that thumbs up button. There's at least 40 of you that have not done so already. Uh, subscribe to Craft Computing if you also haven't done so. Uh, if you like the beer content on this channel, you might want to check out Hops and Brews. Link is down in the video description. You'll get a lot more beer content, reviews, how-tos, as well as the occasional special guests like myself, Steve, and, uh, and others. Uh, we do have merch. Merch is now available. Craftcomputing.store. Get yourself a t-shirt, a bottle opener, glassware, hoodie, whatever you're... Well, it's kind of limited to that right now, but go buy some merch and more will be coming soon. Uh, and... Shipping is available locally in up to 70 countries, including the top 15 that people watch my channel on. So shipping charges will be fairly minimal. Go give that a look. Help support the channel. Join the Patreon or the Floatplane if you want access to the exclusive Discord server. Chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads. Steve, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, but surprisingly, I do have to go pee again, even after I just went pee not that long ago. Yeah. But yeah. yes, no. I'm sure you do too. So we have to go. It's wrapping up. <laughs> it's wrapping up. Yep. Thank you all so much for watching. And as always, we will see you next Wednesday. See you guys. Later, everyone.